Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Would you break the rules with Jesus? Okay, I love these first reactions. They, they set the tone. Um, I love that. Yes, yes, you would. You immediately said yes. Um, breaking the rules with Jesus. This was the question that the disciples kind of had to ask themselves a lot because Jesus was so unpredictable, you see. He was always doing things that had, they had never seen done before. And so they were always having to ask themselves, am I going to break the rules with Jesus this time? Again and again and again. So one day the disciples were hungry and they were outside and Matthew says that Jesus led them through a cornfield. Okay, and they started to pluck grain, heads of grain to eat because they were hungry. His disciples were hungry. So what are we going to do? It's time to go through this cornfield. And aren't we glad that we have better snacks now than the ancient, um, you know, strolling through a cornfield? I don't know if it was gluten-free. Like it was just, I'm really glad we have better snacks. But Jesus leads his disciples through this cornfield, and they, they gather together. Sometimes we gather around a table. Last week we talked about this new series called Gather and how we gather around a communion table together. But sometimes a gathering with Jesus takes place in a cornfield. A picnic of sorts, if you will. But here's the thing, y'all. It was the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. And so what that means is that there were rules around how you should operate on the Sabbath. Does anyone want to shout out what they think some of those rules were? If you had to take a guess. No work. Yes. Good. So that, that yes, you're not... You could be fasting, but you're not making food because you've prepared all your food in advance because there's no labor, there's no work, right? Well, guess what it was also illegal to do? Yes, Abby said it, pick corn. <laughs> yes, it was against the rules. It was against the law. But what happens when you're hungry for more. When you're hungry for more than just religious rules or traditions or obligations, what happens, you see, when you start to hunger for Jesus? Jesus breaks the rules, y'all. Like he just breaks rules. He's not afraid of the pushback or the consequences because he is the bread of life. He is comfortable strolling through the field and feeding his disciples even if it breaks the rules of the day. The Pharisees are not happy about this and they catch him. They see him and the Pharisees 
are, were basically the religious elite of the day. They were the ones, the experts of the law, the ones that knew all the answers and had memorized the Torah and had everything figured out. And they were watching the cornfield and they see Jesus with his disciples and they come up to him and they say, this is wrong. Don't you know that it's the Sabbath? Don't you know that this is not the right thing for you to do? But what the Pharisees couldn't really seem to understand was that the reign of tradition, the reign of rules, the reign of doing it the right way was beginning to end. And the rise of an incarnate, loving Savior was beginning to rise. The reign of love made flesh. But we've always preferred an institution over the incarnation. We've always preferred that. Because institutions can be somewhat controlled. They don't ask you to break the rules as often. They don't ask you to run through a cornfield. They stop you from doing that. Institutions can be controlled. They don't ask you to break the rules as often. And really, a lot of times, they're the ones creating the rules to begin with. I meet more and more people in this city who have had the people of God push them away, ostracize them for breaking rules that God never made. (laughs) They're ostracized. And these are good people I'm meeting. I can't tell you their whole story. I can't tell you everything about them. But these, these people have good hearts. And they've been pushed away because they've been told that they broke the rules. How sad. How sad that this comes from the lips of people who claim to know the grace of God. Because if you knew the grace of God truly, you would never push someone away for perceiving to have broken a rule. And these rules to begin with, right? These institutional rules. Rules that make people feel ashamed for the imperfections in their lives. The divorce. The decision to love all people. The decision to start speaking up about racism. The addiction that hasn't been conquered yet. These sort of broken rules make people feel ashamed, and they make them feel separate from Jesus. But what is really most important? What is the most valuable to God? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, and and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was um, an amazing person who um, resisted Nazi power and spoke out against injustice when it costed him everything, his own life even. But he says this, he says, Christianity preaches the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless. Hear that. I want you to really hear that. Christianity preaches the infinite worth 
of that which is seemingly worthless and the infinite worthlessness of that which is seemingly so valued. Seemingly worthless. Jesus was seemingly worthless, you see, to the Pharisees. He's this rogue rabbi who breaks all the rules and annoys the religious elite and won't stay still on the Sabbath. How dare he? How dare the Son of God disobey the rules of the Sabbath? But lest we think this is a Jewish problem, don't don't hear me say that. Because this institutionalism creeps into all of our expressions of faith and it drowns out the voice of Jesus. So what's really important? What's really valuable? If Christianity teaches us something about what really is worth value, what is that? What is what's worth value to God? Jesus responds to the Pharisees. He speaks the truth in love to them. But hear this. He does speak the truth in love. But he he tells it to them straight. And he reminds them of the Psalms and the other scriptures where he says, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Another way to think about this is that the Pharisees thought that how you showed your righteousness was in your acts, was in your upholding of the law, upholding of the ritual tradition. And sacrifice was part of this, but not just actually the ritual, you know, thinking of an animal sacrifice, but what you gave up is how you showed your allegiance to God, right? But here, here is Jesus out here in this cornfield saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire relationship and not rigidity. But how often do we make being a good Christian about sacrifice? We think there's something we can do to earn God's love for us. And there's something we can do to tell others how they can earn God's love. We get real good at that part. As if God has not already sacrificed everything that could ever be given up in the name of love. And still we make our faith a test of how much we can sacrifice until there is nothing left of us to run with Jesus into the cornfield and experience grace and transformation. There's nothing left of us. We've given it all up to follow the rules. And even though Jesus and his disciples ate crumbs that day, I wonder if they were really sustained for a lifetime. I wonder if they were experiencing the bread of life together. Mary Oliver says in one of her poems, joy is not made to be a crumb. 
But how often has religion and Christianity made joy a crumb? Made joy the leftovers after we check the boxes and get saved. More than once if you're really good. You got to get saved multiple times, right? Like three times is ideal. (laughs) We have all these boxes we like to check to get to the faith, to get to the thing, when all along the, the thing is alive in you. The thing is chasing after you. We can't chase after it with following the rules. Now, this isn't to say that our behavior and how we live doesn't matter. Because I know some of y'all are going to be like, oh, this means what she's saying. If we don't have any rules to follow, Jenna, how are we going to just run around and there will be chaos? But it's transformation that has to happen. That's what God's after, is transforming your heart from the inside, transforming your life from the inside. And then guess what begins to happen when you experience this inner transformation in Christ? Your outer life reflects that. Yeah, your outer life, your outer decisions begin to change. You start to live differently because you have a new life in you, because God is alive in you. It's not you that's perfecting the rules and becoming righteous all on your own. It's God's love and wisdom that becomes alive in you. So one way we think about this is that Jesus was perfect or that Jesus um, did everything right is how that might be described. But I think of it differently. I think that God's wisdom and love was perfectly alive in Christ, right? So it's not even about how do we do the right thing. It's how do we come to know and love God and allow God to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ. Do you hear the difference And that's a little more messy. It's a little harder to calculate. There aren't as many benchmarks for that. And we may not always be able to get up and say how many salvations or how many people have come to Christ. Because it's it's not just that one moment. We, We may not have as many benchmarks. We may not have as many statistics. But we will have fruit of the Spirit to bear. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Not because we say we're Christians or we brag about being Christians, but because we live our lives differently because of Jesus. And so we live in a new way. That's what Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees to see. He was like, you could sacrifice things all day. You can cross your T's and dot your I's and try to be perfect at this religion thing in your whole life doing that. Or, or you can say yes when I invite you into transformation. You could say yes. 
Because then guess what? It's not really about you. It becomes about Christ in you. So, so different. And then you're really relying on grace. You're really relying on something stronger than you. If it was about getting it right, it was, if it was about perfectly following the rules, oh, wouldn't we just, none of us would be in a very good spot. Right? It's about saying yes to transformation in Christ. That's what it's really about. And this is costly, but it costs you something different. It costs you those things that may not be as worthwhile as you might have thought they were. Others might say that you've broken all the rules. When you're just out here in the cornfield being transformed by the love of Jesus. When you start to believe in Jesus more than the promise of power in an institution. They'll say you're breaking the rules. Go ahead and break them. Break them in the spirit of Jesus. In the same way that Jesus has always valued God's wisdom over the traditions of humankind. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, is what God says. I desire, I sort of hear it in a few other ways. I desire authenticity, not performance. I desire a relationship, not rule following. I desire righteousness in me, not perfection in you. I desire time with you. I desire your heart. I desire your love, not your legalism. What if you gave God your love? I desire your love. That is what God desires from us. It's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but if I do not have love, I gain nothing. And can you really give God a heart of mercy and love if you have hidden it and protected your heart behind the rule following? Behind the religious perfectionism, you might say. How could you really give God your heart if your heart is so numbed by these harsh expectations of religion. Can God even see you behind all of that? I desire mercy and not sacrifice because you see, God doesn't need any more lawyers. God doesn't need defense attorneys or apologetics experts. God doesn't need perfect examples of godliness 
So you can take, take yourself off that list. I know some of y'all wanted to be on it, but God doesn't need that. So <laughs> rather, God needs those of us who have been caught up in the story of Jesus and have something to say about that. They've been changed. They see in new ways. God doesn't need Christians to be morality police. Going around stalking cornfields. <laughs> You're like looking around left and right because you know they're out there. That's scarier than a, you know, haunted house. Christians all around you telling you when you've done the wrong thing. Ah, I don't want that. And God doesn't need that. God needs us to be willing to be interrupted by Jesus. God is longing to interrupt our faith with Jesus. God's longing to do that. And God needs us to be near Jesus so that we listen to him above all else. God needs us to trust that true nourishment comes from him alone. And everything else is fast food. <laughs> Nothing against fast food. I love Whataburger and McDonald's. But we have nourishment from one who is the bread of life. And everything else just doesn't cut it. And God needs us to go on an adventure. And it might even be fun. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? That the Christian faith could even be fun. That you might be invited to experience joy and abundance of life together in this community. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What about a pleasurable faith? What about a joy-filled faith? What about an abundant faith? It's not something you can learn or, or be an expert in. And God needs us to trust the Holy Spirit more than what we trust that the experts say. Jesus says to the Pharisees at the end of this passage, he says, he says this, something greater than the temple is here. He tells them, he's like, Pharisees, you don't understand the Sabbath is not, you're, you're not understanding the Sabbath in the right way. And he says, something greater than the temple is here. Do you know what that would be like to tell a Pharisee that? Who has spent their whole life culminating into being the leader of the temple. This is a big deal that Jesus is saying something greater than the temple is here. 
it sounds like it might also be good to say something even greater than Christianity as we know it is here. Something even greater than the church as we know it is here. Richard Rohr says, we do not think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. So where is God asking us to come alive in our faith? And how does that feel differently than maybe the faith you grew up with or the faith you've heard about? Where is Jesus leading you? What rules might you have to break in good faith? Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. That's what he tells the Pharisees at the end. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. But they were making the Sabbath the Lord of the Son of Man. They were centering the tradition instead of the Christ. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of the church. Jesus is the Lord of the scripture. Jesus is the Lord of this earth. And may our gathering be a place where we gather in the name of this, of this Jesus. This risk-taking, rule-breaking, mysteriously loving, adventurous Savior who believes that we are good inside and that we are worthy of even more transformation of even more goodness. You think you're good inside already, you can experience even more goodness in the love of Christ. Something greater than the temple is here, my friends. May we begin to delight in that. May we begin to feast on the nourishment that is here for us. Will you pray with me? Oh God, thank you. Thank you for desiring mercy more than sacrifice, God. Thank you for being a God who cares more about relationship than rule-keeping. Change us, Lord. Make our efforts to please you come from a true place of love, not obligation or expectation or perfectionism, but from a place of vulnerability, a place of genuine love, oh God. This is what we desire because we want to know you. Thank you for the example, for our Savior, for your Son, Jesus. Give us the courage to follow him wherever he asks us to go. Amen.